You are listening to The Craft Room Podcast with Dawn Lewis, and today let's talk about how craft can be good for your health. This is Episode 8. Welcome to The Craft Room Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Lewis, professional crafter, craft teacher, and all-round craft enthusiast. This podcast will help you get great value from your craft supplies and perhaps help you discover new techniques, ideas, and products to take your crafting to the next level. There is so much craft to talk about, so let's dive right in. Hey, welcome to The Craft Room. So glad you are joining me today. And if this is your first time listening to the podcast, a special welcome to you. So as you may have guessed today, we are going to talk about how crafting can be good for our health. And when I say health, I'm not just talking physical health, because there are studies that are starting to show that it is great for our mental health as well. I mean, craft offers us so much physically emotionally socially psychologically it just is the whole package right so a little while ago I put a call out to my Facebook page for some stories from from people uh, to tell me how crafting is helpful and beneficial to them I was not disappointed some fantastic stories buckle in I'm going to share a few of them with you today Uh, some of the stories I'm going to tell you are my own some other people's. You may need a box of tissues for one. I'm warning you now. Hit pause. Go get them. But it's it, it's a happy ending. So I found some fantastic articles talking about how craft is good for our health, especially for our mental health. There are studies into knitting showing how it's it's very beneficial for us. And I'm going to link to those articles in the show notes. And one of them had a really good list of ways that craft is beneficial to us health-wise. And I've added to that list and I'm going to expand on each of them. So I've got 10 things to share with you today and you might identify with some of these. So number one, relaxation. One of the recommended activities for dealing with stress is to meditate. And, you know, we're told that we should relax. I mean, I don't know about you. I'm a mum of two. I run a business. I run a busy household. My life is crazy. Telling me to relax is like telling a hysterical person to calm down. It doesn't really help. And one of the things I'm constantly being told is I should try meditating. I have tried. I can't. I can't shut my brain off and just sit motionless and meditate. There's things that interrupt me and I'm constantly running a list in my mind. I can, however, achieve the desired result via crochet or cross-stitch. There is something so relaxing about the gentle repetition, the sound of the yarn unraveling, and especially the sound of thread being drawn through cloth. That is so soothing to me. It lets me completely tune out. I stop thinking about all the things piling up on my to-do list or the situation that's causing me stress or all the things that haven't been done. You know how it goes. And it may be a different craft for you, It is so worth finding that thing that you can do that helps you just calm and be still and relax and let your mind be soothed. So relaxation, craft can do that for us for sure. Number two, stress relief. Kind of similar to relaxation, but stress relief is a more immediate need, I feel. Now, I don't know a single person who never has periods of stress in their lives. It's part of the human condition. I really think it is. And when I uh, asked, the lovely Danielle shared a story with me, and 
I'm so impressed that Craft does this for her. So uh, Danielle wrote to me and she said, Crafting and in particular stamping and colouring seems to melt away the bad days I sometimes have in a stressful trade role. By day and let's face it, by nights too because it's never ending. I totally get that, Danielle. My husband's on call all the time. I get it. Uh, Danielle is an electrician. She manages domestic and commercial clients for a contracting firm. She's also completing work on tools. So she says, it's nice to have a wind down activity at the end of the day that still occupies my hands as I like being busy. My days can be extra challenging in my male-dominated field and are compounded by the symptoms of endometriosis on top of demanding days. Now, if you know anyone with endo you'll, or you've had it yourself, you'll know this is excruciatingly painful. I've experienced this myself over many, many years. It is just, it's really difficult to quantify and explain it to someone else. It's not just regular pain. It's all encompassing. It takes a lot of your energy. And to have that as well as working in a dude-dominated field like electrician, that is just a lot. And so I love that Danielle can come home in the evening, stamp and color and let all that stress from the day just melt away. So finding a craft that does that for you is a beautiful thing. And thank you, Danielle, for sharing your story with us. Number three, increased happiness. This is another one I can relate to personally. I am happiest when I am up to my neck in craft. Now, I could be wandering through my local fabrics shop. I could be on a day out with my mum or some friends at a big craft show. I could just be in the middle of a big craft project at home, teaching at the shop. It just makes me so happy to be making something beautiful. Bonus points if it's also practical for me. I distinctly remember last year spending 10 hours straight uh, working on a magazine commission. I was doing a, a painted quilt. So Marnie, who you met in episode five, she had quilted this one meter square piece. We were doing uh, this collaboration project for APQ and I painted the entire quilt in color wheel order and I got to use, I think I used something like 75 different colors. What I did was I sat in front of Netflix for 10 hours, just me and Brooklyn Nine-Nine, proper binge session, painting. It was such a glorious day. I remember it very fondly. Number four, reduced anxiety. So when I put the call out, uh, no story illustrated how craft can reduce anxiety than this one that came in. Now, the, the storyteller has asked to remain anonymous, so we're going to call her Amy. Her name is not Amy, so if you know an Amy, it's not her. And she sent me the most heartbreaking and yet also heartwarming story about how she used craft to reduce anxiety, and trust me, it needed reducing. So I'm going to read Amy's story to you. In February 2012, my eight-year-old daughter, my only child, was diagnosed with cancer after experiencing frequent headaches over a short while while originally thought to be migraines, which run in her family. She's had surgery, radiotherapy and high-level chemotherapy and is thankfully in remission. But she lost most of her hearing and has some balance problems, weakness on her left-hand side, stairs, running, riding bikes, their problems. So this child is undergoing physiotherapy so she could learn to walk again. She spent most of 2012 in hospital and 
Amy lived there with her and only went home briefly on occasion. She says, when I went home, I used to stamp images to colour while I was in the hospital. And I also took in die-cut decoupage like paper toll, specifically made for cards and put the pieces together with foam squares. I also took in my knitting after having not knitted for many years and knitted a blanket and a scarf for my daughter. I would knit at all odd hours and it helped calm me and helped me go to sleep. Sometimes I would take in some paper pads, a few stamps, a drawing pad and pencil, sketch out card designs and try to design multiple cards using the same products. It was soothing for my battered soul to have pretty things to look at and to touch and think creatively amongst all the stress and fear and anxiety. It was like a healing balm. You never don't think about cancer when you've gone through something like this and you always fear that it may return. But I can always turn to my crafting to give my brain a much needed break and it brings me a lot of joy. Even though we continue to spend time at hospitals seeing specialists, I can always bring some craft along to make the time pass more quickly. And the great thing is that my daughter, who is now in year 10, also brings along knitting and other craft to appointments as well. She even takes her knitting to school because she finds it calms her. It's very hard on her at school to be different to the other kids, to have disabilities, and she has a teacher's aide, and crafting for her is a means to escape the anxiety. She even started making cards, which she puts in a box at school for the teachers and staff to buy to raise money for the Royal Children's Hospital. So I'm really proud of her to look to her crafting to give back to the hospital who saved her life many times over due to infections when her immune system was severely compromised. Now, seriously, I know we needed tissues at the beginning of that story, but what an ending. Having your kid go through something like that, the anxiety that would be with it, just constantly worrying, will it come back? Will it come back? To have something that can help you arrest that anxiety and soothe yourself so that you really don't get caught up and carried away in a wave of it is just, it's so valuable. I Anyone who says craft is just making socks, they have no idea the benefits. And this story has proved that in one of the most distressing, stressful, anxiety-ridden times in her life, Amy was able to turn to craft as a fantastic coping mechanism, soothing balm, as she said. And this story is just so powerful. I hope you enjoyed it. And thank you so much to Amy. You know who you are for sharing your story with us. Number five, enhanced confidence. So many years ago, I taught folk art and general craft classes to a small band of ladies in a little church hall out in Western Sydney. And I had this one particular student who always sits in my mind. When she started coming to painting classes, she really didn't have a lot in the way of confidence. She had big dreams. She knew what she wanted to paint, but she just didn't think she could. And I'll be honest, there were days where I wondered if I would be able to get her there. But um, my teaching techniques, I, I put everything into it. And bit by bit, she started to have these wins. She would nail a technique and a brush stroke, and she was getting these amazing results. 
it was absolutely incredible to watch her confidence grow. I mean, she was taking on projects that, you know, some months beforehand she would never have attempted. She she showed me something in a magazine and said she really liked it, but she knew she could never do it. And my goal was to get her to that thing she wanted to do. And working together, we did. We got her there. She picked up painting and she completely ran with it. Before I knew it, she was painting furniture for a local lady who ran a party plan business, like country furniture. And I also noticed that when she gained confidence in one area of her life, it had this ripple effect. It rippled out into other areas of her life. And I watched her take on some pretty challenging situations with this new confidence and absolutely win at them. So don't underestimate the small confidence boost you get when you are doing some craft because it can ripple out and out into your everyday life and all of a sudden your confidence, it grows and it grows and it grows and the benefits of that are simply amazing. It's one of my favorite stories because it shows that when you teach someone they can do something, it has a profound effect on them long term. So never underestimate that. Number six, connection to tradition. Honestly, modern day life, we are moving so fast and there is always so much to do. And we just get completely swept up in different apps and all the technology and trying to stay on top of everything. And in, you know, when you're in middle age, life is extremely insanely busy. And we can just start to feel a little bit lost, like just something inside of us is looking for something else. We feel a bit lost. Now, this is a fantastic way where we can pick up our craft and connect to tradition. You may be reconnecting with a cultural tradition. You may be reconnecting with a family tradition. Maybe you are starting a new tradition. Maybe it's one for yourself or one for your family or one for a group of friends. It doesn't matter if it's an old tradition, an ancient tradition, a new tradition. Sometimes getting hands on and making something can really help you connect with family members and community members and just that sense of tradition, things that used to be done a particular way. You feel you can carry that on. If people don't carry on old traditions, they die out and that's a real shame. I think one of my favorite moments when talking about family traditions is I was sitting one day with my mother and my grandmother and all three of us were crocheting. Now, I didn't pick up crochet until fairly late in life and I taught myself off YouTube videos and now I teach absolute beginners how to crochet. But it was just so nice, the three of us sitting there and crocheting. And I'm really glad I was able to have that moment with them because not long after my grandmother had to give it up, her hands were just in no state to continue crocheting. But my mum and I still crochet together, which is really fun. Number seven, a sense of accomplishment. This kind of feeds into the confidence building because it's when you have that sense of accomplishment, you feel the confidence. And I have another story from my church hall craft group. And this was an evening class. I used to teach these general craft things. And each week we'd do something else. We made handmade flowers from wired ribbon and we've done mosaic and we made pinatas. We did all sorts of fun things. And one night I'd put into the schedule that I was going to teach people how to put a zipper 
into a seam and it freaked everybody out so much. Only one lady turned up that night and she was really nervous about being there. She didn't think she could do it, which is ironic because the whole point of the class was for people who didn't know how to put a zipper in to come along and I would show them how. Now, she came really close to packing up and going home. So I I did a little trickery. I'll admit it. I did a little trickery and said, well, why don't we just do a few little sewing exercises? And if you can do the exercises, then I'm confident you'll be able to do the zipper. And if you still want to go home after the exercises, you can do that. Within 20 minutes, I'd walked her through how to put a zipper in a seam. She couldn't believe it. Her reaction, it will stay with me for such a long time. And the sense of accomplishment, like she couldn't believe it. She kept saying, I can't believe I did it. I did it. I, I put in a zipper. She did. And we, we did it again so that she could see that she could repeat it. With any good science experiment, you want to repeat the experiment to see if you can replicate the results. And she did. And then this sense of accomplishment Of course, it boosted her confidence and she went on to make some stunning outfits for herself. And that made me happy, but it also made her extremely happy. Number eight, cognitive benefits. We're talking memory, concentration, problem solving, spatial awareness. So about 10 years ago, a friend's daughter was struggling at school. Uh, They were visiting and she was telling me the tale. Uh, Her short-term memory was really poor. She couldn't concentrate for very long. Spatial awareness was just ridiculously bad. And I had been working on an embroidery hoop and she was really fascinated with it. And she asked me to show her how how I was doing it. And so I showed her how to I embroidered and she was just fascinated. She wanted to give it a try. So I knew that they were coming to visit me the next week and I saw an opportunity to engage her with some craft. I thought maybe it'll, you know, she'll pick up a craft and like it. I'll convert anybody. I like, give me an opportunity to show someone how to do craft and I am there. So... I knew her favorite cartoon character, so I found a coloring in page and I traced the character onto some fabric and set it up in a hoop for her, grabbed her favorite color, which was purple, and I set it all up. And when they came to visit, I said, here, I've made you a hoop kit. She was so excited. So I sat with her for a while and showed her how to do a simple back stitch, just one super simple stitch. And when she was happy with it and she was happy to go along, off she went. And mum and I had a, a great conversation, a cup of tea. Well, she sat and worked on that hoop for over an hour. She couldn't, she she just couldn't do that before. She wasn't the kind of kid who could sit and do one thing for a long time. Her concentration when engaged in an activity she was really enjoying with subject matter that she also enjoyed and a color that was her favorite. It was so engaging. She did really well. And by the, from start to finish, she remembered the stitch. And so it had gone from short-term memory and was starting to work its way into her long-term memory. She also came across about 20 minutes in, she got a knot. When you're embroidering, it's really common to get a little knot or a snag in your thread. And so there was an opportunity for some problem-solving skills. And the last thing that I noticed was as she went from the beginning to the end and I could I could see very clearly where she started, A, because that's, I know, I looked when she started, but the stitches told a very interesting story. They went from being crooked and all over the place and different lengths and, and being some joined up and some not joined up. And the more she went, the more uniform her stitches became. I hadn't told her that that was important or it was necessary, but she got into a rhythm and that is working on spatial awareness. It was absolutely 
incredible. I swear, embroidery hoops should be in occupational therapist offices. She still enjoys embroidery, which makes me really happy. And she knows a whole bunch of stitches and makes some really pretty things. And you can't underestimate how therapeutic uh, craft can be for a kid like this. I, I actually had the same issues with one of my daughters some years later, all the same issues, in fact, and I, I did the same thing. I ran the same experiment. I gave her an embroidery hoop with her favorite character in and her favorite color, and it, it was the exact same result. At the beginning, her stitches were all over the place, and by the time she got into it, probably within about an hour, her stitches became all joined up instead of having gaps. They were a lot more similar in lengths and she was really getting the hang of it and I, I it just it's not something that you think of with embroidery and yet here it is his craft helping us with cognitive development amazing number nine making friends when you are a kid, it's pretty easy to make friends. You just walk up to another kid and say, hey, do you want to play? Um, as an adult, it's it's not quite that simple. I mean, what do you say and who has the time and where do you even look for friends? But for craft folk, there's lots of places you can look for friends. You can get out to a craft show or a local class or a community group, online craft groups based around your craft of choice perfect place to meet new people and make friends. Some of my very best real life friends were made online. It's great that they live near me, but I had a friend who lived quite a long way away from me and um, I visited with her and she visited with me and it's just amazing. I've made the most amazing friends through craft. Some of my best local friends are girls I met doing a handmade craft market. They were also stall holders and makers and we just clicked because you start chatting about the craft that you have in common and then you might say, let's say it's quilting. You'll be talking about quilting and go, oh, I'd really love to make that pixel video game quilt that I saw a pattern for and something like oh I love that video game and all of a sudden you realize you have something else in common or you find that you have colors in common you find that you have all these different things in common and bam you've made a new friend so instead of going hey do you want to play you can email them or message them or call them up and go hey want to have a craft day ta-da friendships are made and number 10 physical benefits. Now, we know that this is great for our mental health. It helps us relax. It helps reduce stress. It helps reduce anxiety. It helps with all these things. But let's talk about some physical benefits. Uh, for anyone who needs to keep moving, like especially if you need have you know, creaky, let's say some creaky finger joints and you want to keep them busy, knitting or embroidery or coloring or crochet, those kinds of things that keep your fingers nimble can be really, really helpful. The one thing that actually came up to me and I found this absolutely fascinating and I'll link to these articles in the show notes. You can find them in the show notes on your podcast app or you can find all of these links on the blog as well at dawnlewis.com.au. There's a podcast page you can click on. So I saw this great article about how knitting was very closely intertwined with World War One. Knitting and war, like seriously, these are two things you think will be 
miles and miles apart. It didn't surprise me so much because my grandmother used to famously tell a story that she actually met my grandfather via a pair of hand-knitted socks. It actually turned out to be a fruitcake later on when I interviewed her about all of our family um, stories and traditions and photographs and stuff. But I remember thinking that the story was about hand-knitted socks. So knitting picked up a shortfall in army-issued uniforms to soldiers. So people from home could knit socks and balaclavas and, and mittens and things like that to send over to the troops. And it served so many great purposes. It picked up a government shortfall. It gave people at home something to do that made them feel like they were contributing and helping the soldiers who were serving overseas. It also provided the soldiers who were over there with some comforts from home, like wearing something that was made for you by your mother or by your sweetheart or even just somebody, knowing someone cared enough to make this thing and send it to you in one of the worst places you could ever be. I can't comprehend how that was. And the items were actually referred to as comforts, as in referring to comforts from home. And also the government started issuing patterns. I don't know whether they were concerned that rogue crafters would be starting to send purple mittens with pink stripes or something like that. Everything had to be quite regulation because we're talking army uniform and there's a lot of regulation there. But there was even a brand new stitch designed so that seams in socks didn't cause damage to soldiers' feet. Absolutely amazing. I'll link to the article. Go have a look. It was incredible. And the other thing I've seen is, and I remember studying this at school, just in passing, it it appealed to me because it has the word art in it, is trench art. I'll link to the wiki page about it and you can read up and see some examples. But trench art was made by three different groups of people. The first one would be soldiers. Uh, there were It was items made by soldiers to pass the time, remind them of home, stave off boredom, uh, and especially as part of their recuperation after injury, either as diversional thera- therapy or skill development to sort of re-engage them, get them moving, get them back into the workforce when they came home. Uh, so you had a lot of soldiers suffering from shell shock, which we now refer to as PTSD, and craft was used to help, specifically knitting and basket weaving. But how incredible is that, that they used craft as therapy? I think that's amazing. And then there were items made by POWs. They had limited resources, but they would make things from whatever they found, trade it with friendly guards, food or money or privileges. And the last group would be items made by civilians, not only those who lived in the conflict zone, but also civilians who were making things to send from home. And some of the things that I found fascinating were the civilians who lived in war zones. And and of course, afterwards, when all the soldiers go home, they've left all this stuff lying around. There'd be shell casings and all these things. And so the people would gather them up and make things from them like souvenirs and it actually led to some tourism because people would buy souvenirs and boost the 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 town's uh, economy by purchasing these things isn't that isn't that just fascinating uh, so 
have check those out if you find that fascinating. I do because I, I remember studying it at school. I was a bit of a history buff and my nephew is very, very interested in World War One. So I've been re-sort of looking into that so he and I can have some really interesting conversations. Now, if you turn to craft in times of stress to make connections or challenge yourself for any reason at all, you, my friend, are practicing self-care. I know that's a bit of a buzz phrase right now, but it's true. You are practicing self-care and you are crafting your way to good physical and or mental health. If you've experienced positive benefits from your crafting pursuits, keep at it. You are absolutely worth it. And if you would like to share some of your stories, head over to the blog at dawnlewis.com.au backslash podcast and share it with me. I would love to hear your stories and I'm sure others would as well. Thanks so much for joining me in the craft room today. You can find links and other information about today's episode in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving a review on iTunes or Stitcher. I'd really appreciate that. I do hope you have a very crafty day and I will see you next time. Bye for now.